The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith Hill, that's who we this morning for sound. I thought I was going for an interview at McDonald's. Two burgers, two fries. You know, when I got this headset, I thought, man, we're really going for it today. Hallelujah. Uh, my name is Will. What qualifies me to be here this morning is Jesus. Uh, he is the only one who qualifies me. I am just a son of God who loves to serve. I once thought I was only a servant, and then I had a revelation from God's Word that I, would, I am a son who loves to serve. You need to see yourselves as sons and daughters of the King who have the joy of serving. And it's such a privilege to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Well, double services now don't go together because I can never keep my mind on the first service to bring to the second service. And already I'm getting different words here, but hallelujah, we'll go for it. As pastor said, uh, Barb and I have pastored for over 30 years in England. Uh, We have uh, built churches, literally built them from ground up. We have planted churches. We have adopted churches. Uh, we have overseen churches in the UK, a church in Spain, church in Poland, and Italy, and all around Europe. And we did that for quite a number of years and uh, really enjoyed it. I love pastoring. The reason I love pastoring is people. If you don't like people, don't go into pastoring. And, uh, you know, I just love, I love people. And I realize how much God loved me. And if God can love me and and love me eternally and hold nothing against me, to know that he's made me a son of righteousness, that I'm dressed in his precious robes, that he's given me life and life and abundance, why wouldn't I want to love serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords? He is worthy of all my praises. So having uh, planted a number of churches, raised up leaders, I am not the world's best Bible teacher. Let's clarify that. Don't expect the greatest. Don't expect an Andrew Womack here this morning if you're not going to get it. Hallelujah. But what I do know is I know the King of Kings. I know His voice. I know that He speaks to me in my heart and gives me words to encourage people with. They say that I've got a Barnabas spirit. That's a son of encouragement. So I've come to encourage you this morning. But I've also come under an apostolic anointing because that's what I've been doing for years to encourage you to dream bigger, go further, run faster to achieve greater things in God than you've ever thought you could achieve in Jesus' name. I've come with a, uh, a joy in my heart that was set on fire here in South Africa in the 2000s. I was sitting near the Drakenberg Mountains down between, not outside Heidelberg, and I was sitting there one misty morning, and Andrew Womack I've known since 1989, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. But he and I were sitting beside a swimming pool on an ostrich farm where we were staying. And I was looking at the mist hanging halfway up the Drakenberg Mountains in the fields. There was thousands of ostriches in the fields all around. And I'm going, oh, wow, God. And I'd look over my shoulder and I'd go, oh, God, just look at that. And I'm thinking, he put the stars in the sky for me to enjoy. I lay one night in the dark and I looked up at the sky lying on the ground. And there was no uh, artificial light, just pure God. And I looked at the Milky Way, I looked at the stars, and I was going, wow. And the next, this is in your country. This is just a few hundred miles from here. And I lay, I, I stood that morning looking at the Drakenberg Mountains and these ostriches, and I'm just going, oh, wow. 
And then God interrupted me. He's got a habit of doing that to me. Hallelujah. And uh, he suddenly says to me, yes, Will, but you are the pinnacle of my creation. Brothers and sisters, that was a red letter day in my life. Here in South Africa, when the Lord could say to me, Will, you're the pinnacle of my creation. I'm here to tell you this morning, sister, you're the pinnacle of his creation. Oh, how he loves you. You need to turn to your neighbor and say, you're the pinnacle of God's creation. You're the pinnacle of God's creation. If you're watching online this morning and you're watching me here now, I want to say to you this morning, you are the pinnacle of God's creation. You may not know God the way I know him right now if you're listening on Facebook, but I want you to know this, that God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That means those of you listening right now on the internet, Jesus Christ gave his life that you might have life and have it in abundance. Jesus loves you. And I'm here to tell you this morning, this is good news for you, so don't tune out. Stay where you are. Listen to what God wants to say to you, because God wants to bring new life to you, and he wants to take you out of your miry clay, put your feet on a firm foundation. He wants to cause you to prosper. He wants to give you hope, and he wants to give you a future. Those of you who think you have no future, that's a lie from hell, because God gave his son that you might realize you're the pinnacle of his creation, and it's you he gave his son for, that you might have a great life in this great nation in Jesus' name. So, as well as those on the internet who are listening to us, you need to know this morning the goodness of God. You need to know that God gave his son, that you might have this abundant life, this miracle working life. Uh, 1986, some of you weren't even a twinkle in your parents' eyes at that time, but Jesus knew you. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, the Bible says. We need to realize 1986, uh, a young group, a group of people came from the United States to England, a, like a choir. They stayed in our church. They gave me tapes of a man with a squeaky voice from Texas, and I didn't really listen to him very much. But, uh, you know, have you ever had stuff sitting on your shelf, a book or a tape or a CD, and it sat there for a year, 18 months or two years, and there comes a day, you lift it out, you read it, or you listen to it, and your life gets changed. That's what happened to me. I suddenly heard this awesome message of grace. I'd beginning, I was beginning to hear the message of faith. I loved the fact that I could confess God's word and believe God's word and he would move the mountains according to uh, Mark eleven twenty three. 23. I could speak to the mountains and see them removed. I could speak to my body and tell it to be whole because Jesus Christ gave me, took all my sin, my sickness, my pain, my poverty. He took all my sorrows and he gave me life in abundance. I began to get this realization as I listened to Andrew that this is a message my country needs to hear. So I flew to America in uh, the end of uh, September 1989. And on Monday the 4th of October, 4th of October 1989, I was sitting at Andrew Womack Ministers Men's uh, Leaders Conference, Pastors Conference, uh, in a place called Buena Vista in Colorado. And as I sat there that night, do you ever mind your own business and God has a tendency to interfere with you? Mm, I'm going to do that with him this morning for some of you. Hallelujah. And as I sat there that evening... God had an, uh, a brother called Dave Dwell stand up, and he says, young man in the back. Yeah, I was young those days, okay. I was much younger. And uh, he said, uh, God says you will be a door opener and a porter to the nations. You will be a bulldozer as, in, as a bulldozer in your nation, pulling down traditions of men. So that was Monday night, and I had a great week, great fellowship around the tables. I was really meeting Andrew and Dave and all the other speakers. It was amazing. 
And on Friday afternoon, just before we finished at noonday, Andrew said that three weeks earlier he'd been in North Carolina and doing a meeting. And a gale came up and nearly tore the tent down. But during that time, he was given a prophetic word that within 28 days, he'd meet a man from a nation of the world that had been on his heart for many years. And that man would be a door opener and a porter to the nations. So uh, Andrew knew I was the one. And after at lunchtime that day, after the conference was finished, I said to him, will you come to England? And in March 1990, Andrew Womack and Dave Duell arrived in British soil. He tried to come other times, but you know, there are times appointed by God. And God's got times appointed for each one of your lives when things are going to change. We need to see that as Andrew came into the country, and we, we were a little church. When I say small, I mean small. We, we bought land. We built our building. There was about 80 to 100 of us. And we were not familiar with the word of faith. We were definitely not familiar with the word of grace. In fact, when Kenneth Copeland, who some of you probably know about word of faith, came into the UK, they came out with placards and tried to stop them coming to old services. Word of faith was not appreciated in the 1990s. And then uh, Andrew and Dave came, and in one night we saw 21 men born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. Andrew taught the Word of God, and Dave demonstrated he was a real miracle worker, and today he is the miracle worker in heaven. He's gone to be with Jesus, his Lord and Savior. And from that point forward, Barb and I had a dreams. You ever, anybody here ever had dreams and visions? That's pathetic. Anybody else here had dreams and visions? I got one, two, three, four. Give me five in the back. Six, 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 seven. Can I have seven in the back row there? Eight, eight. I got eight, nine, nine, ten, 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 ten. What about eleven, twelve, twelve? You see, you all need to have dreams and visions in your heart because God has got more in life for you than you think you can do in Jesus' name. Don't forget, I was a young boy born in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and I do have a strong accent when I'm back with my family. Okay, but while I'm here in South Africa, it won't be that broad for you. But I used to kick tin cans around the streets of Belfast. I was there in the days when the bombs were going off and the IRA and the UDA were bombing one another. I rode on buses not knowing whether the person with the backpack in front of me or the lady with the handbag had got a bomb in it. I was caught in two bomb explosions in Northern Ireland where I remember the night the bomb went off and my legs bowed out and came back together again as the shock waves went through the ground and came by me. I know what it's like to be in places where the enemy is trying to come to kill, to steal and destroy. But I've got news for you this morning. No matter how bad your past has been, your future is brighter. Hallelujah. We need to see and understand as Andrew started coming, Barb and I had this dream and a vision and we, we, we put on these conferences called Grace and Faith and that's the name Andrew uses today because it first happened in our conference. And we had a dream of bringing five-fold ministry giftings together. We brought a brother, brother from Johannesburg. We had a brother and sister from Canada, Andrew from America, Dave from America. And we brought all these five-fold ministry giftings together that we might, and you know, they didn't go to the green room and sit Perrier water and then come on when they were wanted. They all sat in the front row and they all cheered each other on. The whole for six days we did that. 2,200 people for six days, plus children, plus youth work. We had the most awesome time worshiping God, having a revelation of His Word. And when you discover who you are in Christ, why would you want to go back to where you'd been? Why? There's no point in going back because what you have had in the past is nothing compared to what you are inheriting as a son of the king. 
During those years, uh, Barb and I planted churches. We had gone to Manchester to plant another church. And that was where I had probably the greatest pastoral training of my life. Our church consisted of many young men and young women who had been ex-prostitutes, drug addicts, thieves. And, uh, you know, they'd come and say, hey, Pastor Will, we're here. It's Pastor Barb's birthday. What would you like for? Perfume, leather jacket. I says, I says guys, no, no, we don't do that anymore, Pastor. We don't do that anymore. Says, well, we've got a lot of friends who doing what size is she <laughs> ah, dear Jesus you know and uh, anyhow hallelujah it was an amazing church you know and uh, we lived in a very bad part of Manchester we didn't live there we lived in a very nice part but the church was in a hard part but you know Jesus has a tendency to send his word there's hard ground but the word of God can break up hard ground and you can bring forth a harvest from it and in that hard grind, we had the drug dealers who would go around wanting money off people. So they took a nail gun and they would nail people's hands to wooden doors if they didn't have the money. But that man was lying on his couch one night watching God TV. And uh, he heard a preacher say, early hours of the morning, you, on that settee, you need to know Jesus. And he got off the settee, got on his knees, and he gave his heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you, some weeks later in our church, we had the privilege of seeing him, his wife, his parents, and his grandparents all come to know Jesus. Today, serving God in a great church in Manchester, and his son I saw was preaching in the United States as an 18-year-old, and that really gives you encouragement, so it does. You don't know what God's got in store for you. You just don't. Young lady, you sang this morning, leopard print dress. I think that's the way I could describe it. Okay, I hope that does not offend you. All right. God says, I was with you when you were born, and I was with you when you were at school. I was with you when the times were tough, and I have never left you nor forsaken you. But know, my daughter, the tears you have shed in the past were tears of sorrow. But know that tomorrow holds tears of joy. The tears of joy that I set before you will cause you to rejoice in me, because I, the Lord your God, am a healer of the wounds of the past, and I will give you the delight of your future in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We need to see that uh, God's word became alive to me. And uh, I gave up the church in Manchester. I gave it to my son. I knew that season. You know there's seasons in life. Do you know there's seasons for us all? And, uh, uh, you know... Well, I used to work in the pharmaceutical industry as a sales rep, and I worked as a church at the same time, and uh, it just got to my job was suffering, the church was growing, and I couldn't give the right time to each job, uh, so one had to go. It was the one that earned the money. Hallelujah. So anyhow, we gave that up, and uh, we had a because I had a brand new car every 12 months. Barb was a district midwife. I had a huge salary and uh, earned great bonus and stuff. You know, they would fly me to different places of the world, party with the, well, if you know what industry's like, they can spend a lot of money on you. They'd send me off for training in all these places of the world. But you know, God can use the things of the world to equip you for your future. God can take your past and use it to develop your future. And what God did in, uh, with my past and all the training I got through rank Xerox and different companies, man, it really prepared me for the pastorate that was coming ahead. So when I gave up the church, I gave it to my son, and he moved it from where we were in a place where they tried to set the roof in fire. We had a bullet bulletproof glass in the windows. It was a tough place. We had, had to call the riot police one night. It was that bad. That, it was, we had a lot of kids in and the police didn't come they, because they were, they were afraid to come because they said if they turned up, it, would, it got worse. So they just left it. There was Barb outside smacking, you know, not smacking, but getting rid of these kids. You know, she was being mum. But, you know, Stephen took it from there and he moved into the gay village right in the city center of Manchester to witness for Jesus. Sometimes God calls you to be a Daniel 
in the lion's den. Sometimes he calls you to be a Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace of the world, but he'll be in the fiery furnace with you. And no hair shall singe. You shall win and not lose in Jesus' name. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So anyhow, when uh, we gave up the church and we told our kids, one Sunday we had Sunday lunch, we says, kids, mom and dad are giving up the church. And our kids in unison with their spouses says, hallelujah, blooming, dad. <laughs> they really were encouragers. You know, and uh, he says to me, he says, it's about time, dad. We've been bored silly with you lately. You know, so they took the church and we left. And you know, when you give up pastoring like that, and you think, God, where are we going? What are we doing? And some of you are at that place in your lives. You're at crossroads. You're wondering, where are we going, Lord? What am I going to do? How am I going to get there? That was a Sunday. On the Tuesday, I had a phone call from the United States from a beautiful lady called Donna, who is Andrew's PA and has been for 20-something years. And she says, Will, Andrew wants to know if you'd put on some more conferences for him in the UK, but he'd like you to do it the way we do it in the States. We'll fly you out this week, et cetera, et cetera. So I flew out. And then they asked me if I would become the director of Andrew Womack Ministries in United Kingdom, covering Europe. But, you know, I've got big dreams. And I dreamt of taking Andrew around the world. Because at that time, he was just in the United States. And the only other country he'd been to was the United Kingdom. And I started opening offices in Germany and Holland. Then we moved from there to South Africa, Hong Kong. Took him into China, went to Australia, set up meetings all over the world. But I want you to know something. I am a nobody. Andrew Womack's ministry is a God-given ministry with a man of, a mighty man of God whom God loves and cherishes and I totally, totally honor. And uh, when I, we were in the States for the opening of his new building, like 70-something million dollars just last year, and Barb and I sat in the front row, and Pastor Tafara would see you. As soon as Andrew sees me, he acknowledges me. In fact, Pastor Tafara was with me in a meeting in England. We're sitting there, sitting there minding my own business. And all of a sudden, he says, Will, come up and give the offering talk. Ah! You know, and this is his conference and stuff. You know? And he always has us up on the stage. And he always acknowledges the fact that we were a small cog in the big wheel. But you know, if you take a small cog out of the big wheel, the big wheel don't turn. So whatever role God has called you to do, know this. No matter how big or matter how small, it's important to God. And over the years, as Andrew's ministry has grown around the world, uh, Barb and I went back to pastoring because it got to the stage, a season had come to an end at seven years. And we went back into pastoring. And when I was 65... That just a few years ago. I'm now 67. And uh, at, we retired. But I handed my church over to a young man who we saw dedicated. It's an amazing privilege to hand your church over to a young man 27 years after you dedicate him as a baby. We left him with a beautiful building, debt-free. We left him with a congregation and that. And we moved on. Because you see, sometimes you can't hold on to what was in your past because it will hinder you from going into your future. You've got to let go of your past to walk into your future. Some of you are holding on to your past. And your past has become like a chain and a ball around your ankle and is holding you back. This morning, in Jesus' name, those chains are coming off. And you're going forward in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now you can say, well, well I'm not sure if I believe it. Well, then you're not going to get it. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, Susie. 
And the scriptures I had for you this morning, and I better turn to there. Oh, dear Jesus. Stop the clock. Stop the clock. All right. Hallelujah. It's in, we're in uh, Ephesians 3. Isn't Ephesians a great book? Oh, but I don't get into that, William. No. For, it's Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 20, and it's going to be in the New King James. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, say family, Family in heaven are, is named, in that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Say riches. See, my father is rich. Your dad's rich. Oh, your dad's rich, rich, rich. Hallelujah. Oh, my dad is so rich. Glory to Jesus. And we need to see and understand that here, as it says in the... Oh, I'll get it in a minute. It says... He strengthens with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Faith. we got to have faith. Without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your own and personal Savior, let me tell you, he's the greatest friend you could ever know. All that guilt and shame you felt for all those years, all that disappointment you, feel you felt in life, all the sorrows that you've gone through, you can be forgiven and you can be totally set free. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Jesus I love, I want to introduce you to them in the next 20 minutes. We need to see that God says here that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with what? The fullness of God and now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. We need, but I just missed it. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. I want to talk to you this morning about being rooted and grounded in love. Sorry, I don't know your names, but that's minor details. Wearing a blue shirt, hallelujah. God says to you, my son, I've seen you wander through the desert, and I've seen you in the times of darkness. I've seen you when you cried out to me, and you thought life was full of despair. But I say to you this morning, my son, I have chosen you, and I have chosen you to bear fruit and fruit that shall remain. So in the days that lie ahead, and this year, my son, know that I've got new things in store for you. In fact, I see a new job coming for you in the months ahead, and in that job, you will prosper in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We need to see and understand that this Word of God, when you put your roots down deep, just like it says, it's in Psalm 1 in the very first few verses, and it talks about putting our roots down deep into the river of life. And it says, when, even when the dry season comes, your leaf will not wither, and you will continually what bear fruit. You see, you were created to be fruitful. Say fruitful. You see, you were created to go and be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. You were created to go and be someone who can demonstrate the power of God that the world will stand back in amazement and think, wow, that's what I want. You see, I looked at your church and I was already uh, told uh, uh, pastors this morning that uh, I watched your ladies meeting on a uh, video clip and I was a highly impressed. If you were involved with pastor's ladies meeting, must have been a lady, all right? If you were involved with that ladies, you did a great job. Guys, I love the dicky bows. I love the suits you had on, you know. But man, the excellence with which you do things as a church. See, God is excellent. See, God chose you out of his excellence because he created you in God's image. In his own image created he, you and me. So when you look in the mirror, look at that person looking back. I say, you look good. Ha, ha, ha. Don't be humble about it. 
You look great. You're a king's kid. You were created in his image. Hey, guys, don't worry about the powder puff. God loves you just as you are, even with a beard and all, you know. See, I've come to understand that this God who I love, who, get, who sent his son to die for me, has given me a life that none of you or no man can take from me. Hallelujah. Because when you discover the joy and the power of God, my word, my friends, why would I want to go back? And you listening on the internet, you've had, some of you had messed up lives. Well, here this morning, I'm here to tell you, your messed up life can be turned right around. And God can give you a great future in Jesus' name. You need to see and understand that God's word is what has set me alive over all these years. I've walked with God for 56 years. I was 11 years of age when I got born. For you great mathematicians, you don't need to get your abacus out. I'm now 67. All right. Hallelujah. And in those 67 years, God has taken me from being a little boy who would kick tin cans around the streets of Belfast and get up to a lot of mischief. He's taken me. I got born again every Sunday at the age of 16 for over a year. Every Sunday night, I went to a Baptist church and I thought, I'd, oh, Jesus, I've sinned again. I had to go and repent. Hallelujah. Oh, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Oh, sorry, Lord. And I, I received forgiveness. And then by the time I got outside church and got 150 yards up the road and had a bad thought, I thought, oh, I've got to get saved again next Sunday night. Now, until somebody told me, well, when you gave your life to Jesus, he took your life completely. You don't need to give your life back to him. He's already got you. Isn't that awesome? Anybody here ever made a bad choice when they walked with Jesus? Lots of them. Does he still love you? You bet he does. You at home who've made bad choices, Jesus still loves you. Why am I telling you people on the internet that? Because a good friend of mine called Jace. Jace is a big boy. 300 and something pounds. He's about 150 kilos. Way tall. Tattoos started on either side of his temple. Went down the side of his head. Right down his arms. Right down his legs. And he went into the garage Christmas morning three years ago. Because he'd lost his wife. Lost his Mercedes dealership and another dealership. And he'd lost a million pound home. Life wasn't worth living. And he stood on the top of a chair in his garage and he put a rope around his neck and tied it around the beam in the garage. And he jumped off the chair. And the next thing, he woke up with the rope around his neck and the other end lying beside him. He was so heavy, the beam broke. And as he lay on the floor, he said, God, there must be a God out there. You've got something more for me than this. And Jesus did. He got gloriously saved. He, we had the joy of seeing him baptized in our church. And two of his friends said, can we baptize him? And man, they came in short shorts, right? Really tight short shorts. And these vests, and all three of them were built like, oh man, were they bodybuilders. And every one of them were tattooed from every bit of skin that could be seen. And there they're standing in the baptismal tank, and I'm thinking, dear Lord, how great your grace is. That you can change the life of a man who tried to commit suicide in the blink of an eye. How his two friends are standing in this baptismal tank and all three of these men are tattooed from head to toe. And he was baptized and as he went under the water, he, he was burying his old life. As he came out of the water, he was going, coming to a new resurrection in Jesus. 
And as he stepped out of the baptismal tank, he was walking on with Almighty God in his life. Brothers and sisters, nobody, nobody is too bad for Jesus. Nobody can fall so far that Jesus doesn't love them and will not pick them up and give them a future in Jesus' mighty and precious name. We need to see and understand that we, if we would consider the word of God, we would see that in our lives, God's word, God's word brings health and wholeness, fruitfulness, prosperity, and success in all that we do. Do you want to be successful? Follow the Holy Spirit's leading. You know, this morning you'll hear me in the next five, ten minutes speaking to many of you. Because I've learned to listen to the voice of my heavenly father. I know his voice. He gives me pictures. And I know in my sermon I don't preach like probably other preachers do. And I don't have all my ducks in a row. And I don't have all my scriptures in a row. But boy, I know that who my Jesus is. I know who my Redeemer is. I know my Redeemer lives. I know he lifted me out of the miry clay and put my feet on a firm rock. I know that he has given me the most awesome family, kids and grandkids. And I want to say to you this morning, you ought to be, if you've got children and they're married, pray for your grandchildren. And if you're praying for your grandchildren, Barb and I, we've got grandchildren from the age of 20 to 6 weeks. Our grandchildren, our children are going to do twice as much as us. And I've built with them one heck of a target. Their children, my grand, our grandchildren are going to do twice as much as their parents. But I'm already praying for my great-grandchildren. That God knows who they are because he, knew, he knows them before they're formed in their mother's womb. And I'm praying and declaring that my gr- grandchildren and my great-grandchildren will be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. They will rule and reign in righteousness. The world will not have them in Jesus' name. They will know the power of the Holy Spirit living in them and flowing through them. And you need to do the same. This morning I stood in, I'm calling it Sunday school, next door with the children. I stood in the doorway and stretched my hands over all your kids if you've got kids in there this morning. And I called forth pastors, teachers, evangelists, and prophets. You guys, if, while you're praying in here, somebody needs to go in there and a Sunday pastor. I don't mean to tell you what the bad way, but somebody needs to go in there and pray over those kids, declaring what they will be and not what they might be according to the world. We need to rise up and tell them, kids, you're going to be the head and not the tail. You're going to rule and reign in life. You're not going to be a mat with welcome written on it that people are going to walk over. You're going to walk tall, hold up the name of Jesus. You're going to travel the nations of the world proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. I love doing that. My, our little grandson, please pray for, his name is Eli. Uh, he was born the other week and the world says he's got two holes in his heart. And he's been in intensive care. He's very poorly. They're talking about doing open heart surgery on him when he gets to five kilos. And he's four point something at the minute. But Barb and I are believing the holes in his heart are closing in Jesus' name. Amen. But his mom and dad are not at that place. They've got faith in the surgeons. That's fine. But grandparents haven't. Hallelujah. But I lay on the... He was uh, four weeks old. No, three weeks old at Christmas. And it was, we were there Christmas morning and he was in a little mat lying on the floor. And his eyes are open and he couldn't recognize anybody because they're six weeks before they start seeing properly. And I lay on the floor. Everybody was out of the room, so I was on my own with them. And I got down on the floor with Eli, which means God restores. And I lay down beside Eli on his little mat. He's, six, he's four weeks old. And I'm saying, Eli, you're going to be a mighty man of God. Eli, you're going to be the head and not the tail. Eli, you're going to be a righteous man who will hold up and preach the word of God. You're going to be a restorer of the breach. You're going to be a restorer of God's and I just lay there confessing this all over this little four week old nipper ah! 
<laughs> but he's of my seed and he's of my father's seed and he's going to do great things. He's going to be an inheritor of great promises in Jesus' name. So you need to realize you have a responsibility to your children and your children's children, to the third and fourth generation. And we need, I exhort you, I encourage you, I plead with you, pray for your children and your grandchildren and even your great-grandchildren. In first service, I was, spoke to Pastor Tafara, but uh, I could see a men's work. And why do I believe in men's work? Because those of you with daughters need to have men growing up in the church, not a bunch of pansies. They need to see real men. They need to see men who know who their God is, will rise up and do exploits. Men who can dream dreams. Men who can go places in life. Men who can say to their kids, son and daughter, this is where we're going as a family because God is leading us and we shall overcome and do great and awesome things. Hallelujah. Man, it's time to be men. Rise up. Hallelujah. Oh, Pastor Tafar, I'm sorry, but it just gets in me because all the years I've led churches, I love to raise up leaders. I love to help people fulfill their potential. I look upon you this morning and I see a room of world changers. Is this your beloved? Praise God, I got the right one. Hold her hand. Father, I thank you for this couple that sit before me. For the Lord would say, my son and my daughter, I will give unto you a double portion of leadership. Because in the years that lie ahead, my son and daughter, those whom you serve now, and they are the leaders of this church, are going to go above and beyond what you've ever dreamt of. So no, my son, great responsibility is going to come upon you because you're going to be the leader of tens and thousands. Because no, my son and my daughter, the times will come when it will be tiring, but know that I will equip you and I will cause you to be successful and that which I've called you to do. And Father, I bless their future children. And I declare that their children shall know you and love you. I put a hedge of protection around them. If they have children or don't have children, I just call them blessed. That Father, in all the days of their life, their children will rise up and be awesome in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Your pastor, Tafara, and his precious wife are called not just for Johannesburg. You understand that? This couple have got a true mantle upon their lives for the nations of the world. That's why this man and his wife are God's putting a double portion upon them because they're going to have to help carry what this man is going to grow. And this man and his wife are going to grow awesome work. They're going to raise... I would declare that my sister's ladies' conference will become totally national in Jesus' name. And as Brother Tafara and his men start, a man, I was telling them about our men's conference. We like men being men. We got the guys to, they go shooting, you know, clay pigeon shooting, and they shoot pheasants and duck and all that. So they brought their rifles with no ammo in them, all right? So they put, we got hay bales in the church. We brought motorcycles in. We got fishing rods. We got rifles. We got bows and arrows. We got all this real man stuff. We got a log with, with a big axe in it, and then you had, the guys had to see who could break the log first, you know, with one swing. Man, men can get competitive when you give them an axe and a log. Yeah. But you know what? They all knew and loved Jesus, and those who didn't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Go and find a Maserati or a Ferrari store or a big sports car store and a motorcycle store and ask them to borrow a car. They park it up where you're holding your conference. They take away the keys so nobody can get into it. Nobody can touch it or drive off with it, all right? Especially the pastor in his new Maserati. Hallelujah. And uh, just let the men be men because ladies, you need strong men. 
there's a, a lady in a blue diamond, black diamond. You can sit and look. There's a lady beside you in pink. Yeah, you. I got you. Yes, you. Yes, it's me. Yes, you. Hallelujah. God says, for I was with you in the days when you wept bitterly. And I was the one who wiped the tears from your eyes. But know, my daughter, I've put my arm around you, and I will carry you forward with joy in my heart. And I will give you a future like the which you have never dreamed of. And I will cause the blessing of heaven to be opened upon you and upon your children and your children's children in the days that I had. And do not be concerned about them, because, daughter, I've got a hook in their jaw, and I'm bringing them home in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory. Ah, uh, there she is. The lady you led worship this morning had an inner ear monitor in, so you did, okay? And God says, as much as you listened to the inner ear for the beat of the music, know that you will have an ear attuned to the inner beat of my heart. And I will let you know the beat of my heart and your feet will dance with joy to me. And I will take you forward in the days that are ahead and I will cause you to sing before thousands. Thousands, my daughter, you will sing before. Not just tens and twenties and hundreds, but before thousands because I am the one who gave you the voice. Now give it back to me that I might in turn train it for my glory and for my honor. Hallelujah. Wow. Yeah. You can see I'm not a theologian, can't you? Hallelujah. But I know Jesus. The word of God, I've discovered the word of the word of God is power to heal. The word of God heals the sick, raises the dead, cleanses the leper. I've seen my sister, who was on a life support machine, where they called the family from Northern Ireland to England, they were switching it off because, as far as they were concerned, she was dead. And I remember standing at the bottom of Marion's bed, and I'm saying, Marion, in the name of Jesus, you will rise up and you will walk. You will not die, but you will serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I remember when they went to switch that machine off, and it was some time later, we, there's a silence. My parents, my mom, you could imagine her heart was broken. Her daughter, was, as far as they were concerned, was dead. And then we heard this. <coughs> I tell you, you never saw doctors get us out of a room so quick and get tubes out of somebody. And she rose up from the dead. She came off that life support machine. She lived, and when she woke up, she told us she'd met with Jesus. And her husband, Ian, he got born again that morning, and we had the joy of seeing them baptized. She died four years later, sitting at home. She was, at the age of 28, she'd had several strokes and multiple heart attacks. But that was because of her choices in earlier life. She was on the pill. She smoked. She drank. She was a bad diabetic from the age of 11. And so her choices, the choices you make one day, can have a major effect on your future the next day. But for four years, she served God in the church. She ran missions, and she raised money for missions and stuff. She was amazing. I got a lady rang us one night and I rang Barb because Barb was a midwife and this lady worked with her as an auxiliary and her grandson was lying in a hospital in Leeds about 120 miles north of where we lived and she rang and says, do you know a faith healer? And uh, we rang her back and says, we don't know any faith healers but we know one who does heal and his name is Jesus. Well, that, she didn't want that. So we put the phone down, and this is the next night I'm lying in bed. Four o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, the Lord wakes me up and says, go to Leeds. Go to the special care baby unit, intensive care unit where the baby is, and pray for that child. And I drove the several hours drive from our home up to Leeds in the north of England. And I went in, and there was this little baby you know, four kilos, less than four kilos, three and a half kilos on a split bed. It was, and the tubes going all over the place. And uh, the doctors had told the parents the child was going to die. 
I remember laying my hands on that little baby's head. Some of your hands can be so big when they're on a baby's head. And I remember saying to that child, you shall live and you shall not die. You shall rise up and you shall walk. You will not, not die. And her parents are not Christians. His parents were not Christians. The nurses were not happy with me. They said, what right have you got to give these people hope? I said, what right have you got to give them no hope? So anyhow, the mom came and says, Will, the, the doctors say that he'll need surgery, but they don't expect him to live through it. But he sa- they said he would need four surgeries to repair his heart and his lungs. And I said, I, sometimes you think, dear Jesus, where did that word come from? And all out of me came these words, it will be one operation, and it will be a total success. He'll not need any more. Well, two days later, I got a phone call from mom, Will, they're taking him to theater. And I said to her again, he will live, he will not die. One operation, and the whole thing would be done. There's power in the name of Jesus. Understand, it's Jesus. It's not any pastor's name, not any Bible teacher's name. No matter how big they might be around the world, all authority in heaven and earth is given in one name, and it's Jesus. And I remember it was 12 hours later he'd been in surgery, and his mom rang me and says, he's out of surgery. She was flooded with tears. And she says, Will, you never guess what. And I knew what was coming. She says, It was all done in one surgery. He doesn't need to go back to surgery. There's power in your words. You need to speak to your finances and see them increase. You need to speak to those divorce situations that some of you have been through. You need to speak to your blended families and see Jesus do something great and awesome. And for you watching on the video, you need to know that God can heal the brokenhearted. He can heal the divided family. He can heal the divorced. Divorce does not separate you from God. God loves you. Hallelujah. Church, this morning I'm here to tell you there is power wonder-working power in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Young lady in the middle, you got a blue jacket on. I got you. Hallelujah. For I will set a world before you, a world that you've only dreamed of, my daughter. Because you've said in your heart many times, how shall it ever come? But know, my daughter, I'm the bountiful provider and I'm the great, I'm great God. And if I in heaven have declared it, it shall come to pass. And I declare over you, my daughter, you shall see the nations of the world and you shall touch people on my behalf. You shall lay hands upon the sick and you will see them recover, especially children. Whatever you do, you're going to see God. Pull up your hands. I'll speak healing in those hands in Jesus' name. Those hands will be on fire when you set them upon people. In the name of Jesus, you will see awesome miracles. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Whoa. Uh, Two minutes. Oh, hallelujah. Okay. Uh, Lady, you're wearing a yellow shirt on the back looking straight at me. Wave at me. Yeah, you. Hallelujah. You ever feel foolish? I do sometimes, but hallelujah. You can tip your hand down. It's all right. God knows where you're seated. God says, for my daughter, my daughter, I know you're going out and you're coming in. I know where you are right now, and your thoughts have not been good thoughts. But know this day, my daughter, I'm going to turn your mind around, and I'm going to cause my blessing to come into your life, and I'm going to change your life, and you're going to become someone who will love me with all their heart, and you will dance for joy before me in the kingdom of God and here on this earth, because I want you 
to be my chosen one, one whom I love, one whom I care for. And God says, though you've been robbed of much in life, this is a turnaround. This is a day of restoration in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Wow. I very lovingly call you mom, all right? I don't know your name, but I want, I want to honor you. Lord gives me a picture of a, a basket, like a woven basket, and it's full of beautiful gifts. And when I say beautiful, I mean beautiful. Not apples and oranges and pears and plums, you know, but these are real gifts. And God says, though my daughter, you have not been one to receive a lot of gold and a lot of silver. Though you have been one who has not received many pearls or many diamonds. Know, my daughter, that you're a diamond in my eye. You're a pearl in my eye. You're a child of great price. And know, my daughter, I will give unto you great gifts in the days that lie ahead. And I will cause you to be a deliverer of miracles into the hearts of my people through the giving that I will give to you. Don't worry about where it's coming from. God's going to bring it to you. And as God brings it to you, you'll be a distributor of that which he's given to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Wow. Wonderful. Thank you. I'd like every man in this place to stand up. Man. Don't ladies stay seated. Only want the men. Hallelujah. Only the men. And if you don't know what you are, stand up anyhow. All right. Glory. Father, I thank you for the men that stand before me and before you this morning and is witnessed by heaven. Father, I thank you and I declare that the men of this church shall rise up and be world changers in Jesus' name. They shall be lovers of their wives and lovers of their children. They shall not be abusers, but they shall be givers of peace and joy. That you will cause every one of these men in this place to prosper for your glory and for your honor. And I rebuke the devourer from their house. I rebuke the devourer from their jobs. And I declare those who are unemployed shall have work. Those who need new jobs shall have them in Jesus' name. But Lord, out of this place, do an awesome men's work for your glory and for your honor in Jesus' name. And the older man said, Amen. Amen. Okay, all you ladies, please stand up. Hallelujah. Every lady in the house should be standing. Father, I thank you for those whom you've blessed as our uh, spouses and friends. Lord, I thank you for every woman standing here this morning, and I call every woman blessed. Father, I declare that amongst these women there will be great teachers. There will be great preachers. There will be great pastors. There will be great and awesome leaders in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Because, Lord, when your word is heard and understood, it bears fruit. And I declare every one of these women shall bear fruit of their wombs, but they shall bear the fruit of the Spirit, and that, Lord God, they will help change this nation for your glory and for your honor in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that your word gives peace to these ladies because they love it, and they are secure in their standing as a woman and in the place in which they stand in Jesus' name. And to you, Lord, be all the glory and all you ladies said. Amen. Okay, now I'd like everybody to stand. Ladies, stay standing. Men, if there's ladies around you, uh, prefer your wife, but even if they're not your wife, gently lay your hand on their shoulder. Nowhere else, just their shoulder. <laughs> and say after me, Father, Father we, bless these ladies. we bless these ladies. We thank you that you've made us protectors of our wives. We thank you, Father, we as men will be the head and not the tail. We will honor our wives. We will, honor our wives. We will bless our children. And we will give them an example to follow. In Jesus' name. And we all said.
Hallelujah. Yeah. Okay, please be seated. I've got 30 seconds. God can do this. Hallelujah. Hey, brother. He's, this guy's going to write a bunch of new songs. And they're not for this church only. They're going to go to the nations. A new sister with a big hair. <laughs> You're going to sing some awesome songs. Yeah. That bass guitar player, son, you need to get into the rhythm of that bass guitar. That's amazing. You know, you nearly had me going for it this morning. You know, I shared in the first service, once in church, I ended up dancing in church. I don't dance. I got two left feet. But I was sitting in church one morning, minding my own business. And the guy, on the, he was on a guitar, not a keyboard. And he said, somebody here wants to dance nothing. No, I heard this voice. Will, dance with me. No, Lord. You ever said no to God? I sat on my hands. I put my hands right underneath my thighs. And I sat on them. And I said, no, Lord. I'm not getting up to dance. And I, well, in England, older ladies have what they call a hat pin. They used to put them through their hats to hold their hats on. Well, that was like Jesus from heaven just got a big hat pin and went. And I was up out of my chair. The next thing was, I was... I danced all around the church. You talk about being a fool for Jesus. But you know, it released people in my congregation to see that I was willing to do whatever God said. Doesn't matter how foolish it may look, friend. Do what God tells you to do. When you do what God tells you to do, then it'll take you to the next step. You can't go to the next step unless you've completed this first step. If you're here this morning and you don't know my Jesus, he's my best friend. He loves me with an everlasting love. Jesus died upon a cross and shed his blood that I might not know the consequences of sin or wrongness in my life. He shed his blood upon a cross that would deliver me from sickness. You see, by the stripes of Jesus, the word of God says, I am healed. I'm not waiting to be healed. I am healed. Jesus died upon the cross and gave his life that I might have life in abundance. You know, Barb and I are pensioners in the United Kingdom. Our ministry is called Kingdom Highways. We make highways around the world for, the world for God's Word. We don't have extra special income, but you know, when you give your loaves and fishes into the hands of God, He multiplies it. God said with His wisdom, our spending would never outdo His giving. And that's what we experience. If you want to know this Jesus, anybody here not know my Jesus this morning, for I want to introduce you to him. You need to know him. Don't be afraid to put your hand up. He's not going to smite you with a big bolt from heaven. He's going to put his loving arms around you. He's going to tell you how much he loves you. He's going to tell you that he just wants to draw you into his family and give you a new name and a new identity. If you don't know him this morning and you're sitting here, pray this prayer in your heart. Father, Father God, I receive Jesus as my Lord. I thank you that he gave his life that I might have life. And I now receive that new life. And I thank you that you take my old in exchange. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for the privilege of being with you. It is such a joy to know your pastors. To get to meet Henry yesterday at the airport, now his wife. 
And I do seriously look forward to the day. And I pray, Lord, I want to be able to come back and I see that 5,000 seater auditorium. The next move will hold 500,000. But the one after that, it will multiplify. Some of you are going to have to get peak caps and you're going to be like airport this way, waving the cars in from the road. You know, the most important person in your church on a Sunday morning is the person on that door. If you want to serve in church, when we went back to our church, oh, thank Jesus so much, uh, we had a guy, his face was as miserable. What are you coming to church for? Ah, yeah, it's not really, yeah, you know what, ah, this place is all right, but it's not much. So I took him off the door and he left. (laughs) He followed. Glory to Jesus. And I put somebody on the door who had a smile, who had joy in their hearts. Some Sundays, Dawn would be on the door and I'd be on there with her. And they said they could hear Dawn and I in the car park, which is 100 yards away. Because we just laughed and we loved on people, welcomed them in. Because within two minutes of arriving at that door, before they've heard your pastor's message, people will have decided whether they're going to stay or going to leave. Be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Guys, put a smile on your face and let people see Jesus. He's loving. God is love. I'm a little short, tubby guy from England telling you God loves you. But you know I've got the heart, the size, such a size for the world. I want to see you do great things. I want to see your pastor go further than he's ever dreamt. I want to give him the right foot of fellowship upwards. I want to propel him upwards in the name of Jesus into what God has called him to be. I'm nearer the end of my race than he is, his race. I still believe I've got 20 more good years in me. But this man's got 40 and 50 years in him. So, you pull up in the one below. You push up. You pull up above. So I push up in the one above. Listen to Andrew. And all those awesome Wendell Parr and all those teachers of Barbara and I love and have known for many years and pull up in the one below you. And if every one of us pushed up in the one above and pulled up in the one below, it would be awesome. So I'm committing myself to the right foot of fellowship to your pastor, which means by the power of my right foot, I will raise him higher. Hallelujah. He's, he, your pastor and his precious wife are destined the great things say great things in our first service this morning the Lord said the windows of heaven were opened upon them that the, the, all the blessings of heaven were coming upon them so much that they wouldn't be able to catch it if I had a bottle of water I would do it here if you cupped your hands and you poured water your hands can't hold the water and the water goes down below and the picture I had was the next set of hands which would have been you would have put your hands underneath to catch the water and then somebody else would have come and put their hands underneath yours because the blessings are flowing from the head right down hallelujah and you are receivers of the blessing of God in Jesus name God bless We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.